0: Welcome in, everybody. Episode 83 of Fourscore the Podcast. Andrew May, alongside Rob Gray with you. Recording a day earlier than usual. Usually record on Wednesday night's release on Thursday. Today, uh, this week, we're recording on Tuesday. It is November 23rd. Episode will be released tomorrow, Wednesday, November 24th. Episode will be out in time for the Thanksgiving holiday. So, cooking some food, getting ready for company to come over, taking a car drive to whoever's house you're going to on Thanksgiving. You got us to listen to. us And and I'll tell you what,
1: you would probably rather listen to us than watch the uh, Lions-Bears game.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The the Lions playing a a noon kickoff on Thanksgiving, the gift that keeps on giving, the most hard football game of the week.
1: I guarantee you one thing, we'll be a hell of a lot more entertaining.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For multiple reasons. So we're going to do a lot of things on tonight's podcast. We're going to recap all of week 11 in the NFL. We'll preview week 12, including the – Thanksgiving games. Uh, we'll probably stay away from that noon kickoff that you just mentioned, but any of the other intriguing games throughout the week, we'll talk about. Uh, we're going to do our pick 'em segment. We'll recap last week's pick 'em, do next week's pick 'em. And gotta be honest with you, Rob, I haven't had a lot of time to look over games. Work's been crazy busy, got a lot of stuff going on. So I'm going into this week blind. Maybe that's a good thing because I'm 0-6 my last two weeks. So maybe I'm um, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I go into this week with not much prep and maybe I'll uh, be able to gain some ground because another disgraceful week for me, but we'll save the pick them for later. Um, And also a little bit of baseball I want to get into as well. But we'll start things off with the New York football giants. And, Rob, I'll I'll leave it up to you because it's a Thanksgiving season. I'm in a giving mood. I know you probably have some venting Uh, to do. Would you like me to open things up like I normally do? Do you want me to Uh, give the floor to you first? You know what, Andrew?
1: What's that that even vent about anymore? There's nothing to vent about anymore. It's the same (laughs) It really is. It, it's it's Groundhog's Day. It's the same story that we see every single week. But except last night was really just. I, I mean, I I don't even think embarrassing is the right word to use. I don't know if there's a word above embarrassing that could be worse than what we saw last night. You know, I, I, it's just. I mean, look, it culminated in a Jason Garrett firing, and somebody was going to have their head on the on the chopping block here today. There was no doubt. In my opinion, they should have just fired the entire coaching staff today because what they put out there, especially after coming off a bye, what they put out there was utterly embarrassing, Andrew. It was embarrassing, to say the least. And Daniel Jones, once again, and I have not been an advocate of this kid. Yes, I said give him a chance, but I have not been an advocate of this kid, especially this season. Is god-awful. He, he just got awful. Will Hernandez – actually, Will Hernandez should have walked out the door with Jason Garrett. I mean, because he – I told my friend today he should just join the protests. All the protests when people are protesting about getting bullied, he should join those protests because he got bullied last night. He got bullied up and down the field. You know, two two holding penalties in the same series in the third quarter. I mean, just an out and out disaster. I mean, just disaster. J- Barkley, just uh, enough of that guy. I mean, Devontae Book is a better running back at this point. <laughs> Saquon Barkley is just the name, Andrew. That's all he is, just a the name. Then Dan Ovlowski was showing today on Twitter, I sent you the video of three Giants all joining together on a play in the middle of the field. Three guys, shoulder to shoulder. I don't know if it was a, a play call that went wrong or somebody ran the wrong routes, but this just it just cannot happen under a coaching staff's watch. Fourth and short, they, they come out, they look like they don't know what they're going to do instead of the coach just letting the offensive point, I say, Hey, listen, this is two down territory here. As long as within a yard or two, letting them know and having the play call ready to go, they don't get to play until 10 seconds left. And what does it culminate into Daniel Jones once again, panics with the ball. He's skittish as to use the word by Jerry Reese years ago, when he described D Manning back in 2007, we have a skittish quarterback. Well, this kid's a skittish quarterback. He's got awful. He's missing, you know, the first quarter Lewis Riddick pointed it out wide open in middle. uh, Kenny Galladay coming wide open over the middle on that first drive of the game. You, he had a clear lane to him he wasn't even looking at him instead he's looking across the field at Kadarius tony who's not even open and he winds up throwing the ball over his head across the field out of bounds i i mean these are things that this kid is missing time in and time out and you know what there's no more teaching him anymore so they can get rid of jason garrett they could bring in freddie kitchens they could have all new play calls all they want it's not going to help this quarterback it's just not. I'm. I'm not. Listen. The offensive line was terrible. Nate Solder is basically a turnstile at this point in his life. He's a turnstile. Like I said, Hernandez is is awful. Andrew Thomas is good. In fact, you know what? He's second on the team in touchdown catches now. At this point, he's got one. He's got he's got one more than than Galladay and Tony combined at this point. You know they. They have a weapon like Tony they don't know how to use him they, they Galladay got three balls thrown to him one in, in one target in three quarters. I mean it's just uh, you know look there's no fix in this team. and then I hear people saying oh I'm not sure to go after Russell Wilson. what is Russell Wilson going to do on this team? Nothing.
0: What is he doing on his current team right, right. now?
1: Right, He's not doing anything. anyway, but the last thing you need is a $40 million a year quarterback when you have so many holes on his team right now that needs to be plugged. I didn't even get to the defense yet. The defense. I, I, again, if there's a better word than embarrassing, then please give it to me because I, I, I just don't know it at this point. What the defense did last night. What is it? Uh, an abomination, poor tackling, I, I don't know what Patrick Graham was thinking. No pressure on Tom Brady whatsoever. Tom Brady could have sat back in a tuxedo and came into that, glee, that, that game clean with zero problems. He didn't even have to put a uniform or pads on nor a helmet because nobody got near him. They didn't even try and apply pressure. They were playing scared that entire game on the defense. The missed tacklings was just, I, I, again, an abomination. I, I don't know what to say about this team anymore for an organization that that has this sort of history to it with the four super bowls and you know it's just how they've come to this point right now they're the biggest embarrassment last, in the league over these last few years they are the biggest embarrassment in the league there's no doubt they're a bigger embarrassment than the jets because of the giants Giants history, especially coming into this season where they spent all this money in free agency. Everybody, I thought at the very least, they would try and compete for a playoff spot. They're not even trying at this point. They're not even trying because what they that display they put on less than, and all you need to know about Daniel Jones, 0-8 in primetime games. That's all you need to know. That kid does not, cannot show up for the spotlight. He just can't. So, listen, at this point right now, Let him play out his giant career, because I'm telling you right now, if they bring this kid back next year, it's another disaster. There is no fixing him. You are not fixing this kid. You're just not. Listen, I'm watching Taylor Heineke on Washington, an undrafted free agent quarterback. Play play at a pretty decent level of of football. He's kept that team afloat. went Went out and beat the Panthers last week. The week before, went out and beat Tampa Bay, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. He is keeping them afloat, and that kid's making plays. This is a kid that was an undrafted free agent that came out of what? uh, 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 AFL League or XFL League, whatever the hell it was. Some obscure league that he came out of to play at at a high level. Old Dominion graduate. Yeah, at a high level in the NFL. I'm I'm watching that kid. I'm watching everybody who abused Jalen Hurts in the beginning of this season just get better and better over the last few weeks. And Jalen Hurts is leading the Eagles all of a sudden now. The Eagles are at 5-6. and Washington's winning some games. They're at, what, four and six or four, five and six themselves, whatever it may be. And the Giants are just sitting there floundering like dopes with the same same garbage quarterback. He, That kid is garbage. Nice kid. He's garbage. That's it. It's enough. Wonderful athlete, but that's all he is. He is not an NFL quarterback, period. Uh, this kid comes back, Andrew. Again, I don't care who you bring in here. There is no fixing this kid because he does not have the mental capacity to play this game. Just doesn't.
0: Now I listen, I would love to, to jump in after you and I would love to bring up points that you didn't already start alluding to. But you said it all perfectly, and I said to you off the air right before we started recording that I was embarrassed. I was disgusted and embarrassed and annoyed. That, that game raised my blood pressure, and I have no rooting interest in the Giants franchise whatsoever. I mean, sure, I'd like to see them win because I'm very friendly with you. Besides that, I have no rooting interest, and that game aggravated me to no end because they were unprepared after a two-week layoff having a bye week. You had two weeks, and that's the type of game plan and performance that you put on the field? There's no sense of urgency with this team. I remember saying to you in a text thread last night, they're down 27 to 10 late in the fourth quarter. There's 10 minutes left. Rob, they ran a five play drive that ultimately culminated in an interception. Five play drive. It took two minutes and 40 seconds. What are you wasting so much time for? Where's the urgency? Get up to the line, get a little pep in your step. And it's not like they're trying to stretch the ball down the field and even attempt to come back. They're doing the same stuff. Two-yard out route, halfback draw, screen pass with nobody blocking on that side of the field. Third down, you need a conversion. Well, guess what? They either blitz the shit out of Jones so he gets scared and spikes the ball. Oh, they didn't even need to blitz because they're getting immediate pressure with three-man rushes on that offensive line. They don't know how to use Kadarius Toney, as you said before. Kenny Galladay is what he is. We knew what he was. They overpaid so that they could put another weapon on the field. That's fine. You can have your gripes with them about that contract. That's a conversation for another day. But he is what he is. We know he's not a high-volume receiver. But three targets? Get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Devontae Booker had two carries last night, I believe. Maybe three. He looked a hell of a lot better in his three touches than Barkley's looked all season long. I can tell you that much. And every note you hit on on the defense, spot on. Listen, I see a bunch of Giants fans that I'm friendly with, a bunch of random Twitter accounts that are Giants fans on Twitter, and they're sitting here shouting from the mountaintops how happy they are that they finally pulled the trigger and fired Jason Garrett. You said it perfectly, Rob. What difference does it make? Jason Garrett is just a small little microcosm of everything that's wrong with this team. They're poorly coached. They're poorly prepared. They don't have enough talent. There's so many holes on this team that the once dream of going after a guy like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. Now you look at this team and you say, well, they have so many holes. What? What, what is even the point? Get a new GM in here, get a new head coach in here, and start from scratch. It's an embarrassment, and you said it perfectly. For a team that has this rich of a history, for them to have a fall from grace like this, that's what makes it all the more embarrassing because nobody, nobody expected it to go like this. I would argue, and I thought that was one of the worst losses I've ever seen. Was it week six against the Rams, 45 to three, whatever the score was in that game? Last night was even more of an embarrassment. I don't even think the two come close. Last night was an abomination in every single facet of the game. And I would be in, I'm already incensed that I'm not a Giants fan. That's, that's, that should be the telltale sign how embarrassing last night was. Yeah. It's someone watching from afar with no rooting interest, no skin in the game, not gambling on the game. And I was, I was, I I felt like I needed a shower after the game because it was just, I I felt like I was covered in filth just from watching that game. I'm going to be
1: honest with you, though. You you mentioned the name Deshaun Watson. And I'm telling you right now, after last night, I'd go after him at all costs because uh, look, y- you still have to shore up some holes, but I still, I still feel that, you know, they, they are injured on the offensive line. I still feel that, look, they, they can, they have to shore up, but Andrew, they have to shore up the offensive line, but let me tell you something. You watch that Buccaneer offensive line last night. They have three guys in the interior part of that offensive line that are all division two players, all playing at a high level in the NFL, all division two. So the scouting is there and the coaching is there for those guys. They're all division two players. Now does Tom Brady make them better? Absolutely. I don't care what anybody says. Any quarterback that's an above average, very good quarterback is going to make their offensive line better. They're going to get rid of the ball. They're going to be decisive with the ball. They're going to see the plays downfield happening. I'm telling you right now, the offensive line has not played well, but I don't think they would be nearly as bad with a competent quarterback play. And you get me Deshaun Watson. Get me Deshaun Watson, and let me see the difference in an offensive line then. I'm telling you right now, I'm not saying that these guys are going to be the greatest in the world, but it's certainly going to elevate everybody on that offense because there are weapons there on offense. They They have weapons on offense right now. They have them there. So get a quarterback there. That helps your offense. And then you have to build somewhat through your offensive line in the draft. You have to build some of your offensive line through the draft as well as some defensive players because you know what happened. Look, they passed on Micah Parsons. I thought they should have took them this year. I I, Listen, granted, at this point right now, having that second first round pick being the Chicago Bears next year, looks like it could be two top 10 picks. Certainly could help in in the event if you want to pull a trade uh, of a, you know, sort of a guy like Deshaun Watson. So it kind of did help them in a way, but they could have used a defensive help because you watch it, what's going on out there last night. And I'm saying myself, man, where is the talent on this defense? Dexter Lawrence, who was supposed to be a mainstay there, was a first-round pick, is doing – not doing – he's not even a – he's not any sort of a game-changer. I I mean, there's nothing there. Yeah, granted, you missed Blake Martinez, but he's been missing since week one. So what's the difference at this point? They're not getting any sort of uh, – um, any sort of pass rush whatsoever. There is zero pass rush, I mean – my God, I, I, it was embarrassing watching these guys. They almost looked like they were quitting, not even trying to get to Tom Brady. They looked like they were stopping. A, a couple of times i seen them stop. I mean, but you know what? All in all, Andrew, we could say what we want, but mid-third quarter, that game was 17-10. That game 17-10, to 10, mid-third quarter, although it didn't look it. So that game was still, was still there. And let's not forget, the only touchdown the Giants scored last night against the 31st ranked defense in the league was because of an interception where the ball, where the uh, Adoree Jackson got tackled on a Tampa five yard line. The only reason why they scored a touchdown. Otherwise, they were held to three points by the worst defense in the league, and they had every single weapon at their disposal, with the exception of Sterling Shepard. With a bye that week was it. to devise
0: a game plan. With the
1: bye week to devise a game plan. So they had everything there at their disposal, and they scored three. Freaking points three and i don't care I, 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 again l- listen somebody wants to argue with me come on this podcast argue with me tell me that daniel jones is your future if some giant fan has listened to this or any fan that listens to this podcast i don't care what you got to do we'll put you on this podcast and you argue me the fact that daniel jones should be on this roster next year argue with me seriously because there is no argument There is no argument because if I'm a general manager coming in and Dave Gettleman, you know what? Again, they might as well just fire him and start the process of filing a GM now and let them figure out the roster, what they have here right now. Let them look over it because I would fire Gettleman. Gettleman would have been fired today. Should have been fired a few weeks ago anyway, but I would have fired him today as well. I would have sent, I would have sent bombs across the bow right now at this point. And just said this is unacceptable. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. And the fact that they fired the offer of the coordinator, now Joe Judge, Joe Judge's head is on the chopping block himself. Because he didn't want him here in the first place. Freddie Kitchens is his guy. So now Freddie Kitchens will be calling the place. So if this doesn't work, bye-bye, Joe Judge. You're gone too. So and rightfully so. And I was I was a, a fan of Joe Judge early on, but now I'm a fan of nobody. Because this team, again, is an abomination. They embarrass themselves. So I would fire the GM today. I'd start looking. I'd start going through the process of of finding the right GM for this team. I'd go through it right now and let this GM come in, look at this roster, look at some some of these games live to see what's going on, to see who's sticking around and who's not. That's what I would do. Get ahead of the game now. There's no reason to keep Gettleman right now. There's There's no reason. You don't need them right now.
0: There is no reason to keep anybody. After a demoralizing loss like that, there's no reason to keep anybody. And there's the people out there that are going to say, football especially, you can't keep going through this process of changing head coaches. You need some sort of stability. No. Not when this is the result that you get. Everybody's head, deservedly so, is on the chopping block when you lose a game in that fashion and the season is gone in the fashion that it has because that's two losses like that. And there's also two games that were easily winnable. Yeah. That lack of discipline and lack of football IQ kept them from winning. And we see no improvements, no corrections. So as far as I'm concerned, stability could go out the window. What good is stability if you're going to win four or five games a season and embarrass yourselves in the process? Will you want a pat on the back or a cookie because you don't have head coach and general manager turnover? Now, are the Giants home next week?
1: Yeah, they're home against the Eagles.
0: And now that stadium is obviously going to be packed to the brim because it's a divisional rivalry. I'm curious to see the reaction. No, No,
1: no, no, no. First of all, they are honoring Michael Strahan at halftime. That's going to be a disaster, Andrew. (laughs) <laughs> they are putting him in the ring of honor and retiring his jersey. Now, is John Mara going to get up on that podium to introduce Michael Strahan and to wax poetic about him? Because he's going to get his ass booted off Well, look what podium. happened
0: when he did it for Eli Manning.
1: And then not only that, there's going to be – how many Giant fans after that game will be selling their tickets to Eagle fans? That, that game, listen, Philadelphia right up the turnpike. My God, you're an hour and 15 minutes away. There's going to be dominantly Eagle fans. It's going to be even more embarrassing that you are you are retiring an iconic player in your franchise's jersey, putting him into the ring of honor, and you're gonna have about 70% Eagle fans there, and the other 30% of Giant fans will be booing the owner off the off the off the podium. Well, here's so that's this what's what's gonna happen.
0: This is that's an interesting this is an interesting conversation because You know, you bring up the fact that Philly is a close drive. A lot of fans are going to be wanting tickets. Giant fans are so distraught and annoyed with what's gone on that they're going to sell their tickets. But I wonder how many Giants fans are eager to show up to that stadium just to boo. Because we were talking in a text thread last night, and Bruce brought it up that, there's a bunch of different areas that need improvement, a bunch of different areas that are an abomination right now, but it all falls under the same umbrella and it's the philosophical approach of the owner. And unless that drastically changes, you can't expect a different results than from what's gone on the past couple of years. So I think fans are well aware that it starts with John Mara and he isn't selling the team. So in order to get that message across that this is unacceptable, you would think he'd have to know it's unacceptable, but nothing has has been done to change anything. You would think that a lot of fans would be eager to show up in that stadium to let him hear it, have one of your franchises, his icon's number retired and don't even pay attention to that just have the boob birds come out for him and then maybe he'll get it through his skull that things need to change and they need to change in a hurry so i'm curious how many people do hold on to their tickets just to show up to have their voice heard
1: i i I don't i don't think it's going to matter i don't think they're going to show up i really don't andrew because this is a weekend coming off a holiday it's Thanksgiving weekend. People will say, you know what? Fuck it. We weren't gonna go. We weren't gonna go away with the family. I was gonna go to the Giant Eagle game because that's a divisional game. I'm going away now. I'm selling my tickets. So I'm gonna put the lights up around my house on Sunday because I'm not watching the I'm not watching the Giants. They're unwatchable. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of decisions like that that are going to so be if, made. If you last had season second.
0: tickets, would you be going on Sunday?
1: I probably would. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's still. I, I'm maybe a, a, of a different breed a little bit, but I tell you the truth, I'd be aggravated. I'd probably be with one of those guys that would probably run onto the field trying to punch somebody. <laughs> tackle
0: John Marrow while he's introducing yeah, yeah, whatever, tackle
1: him, <laughs> shake Michael Strahan's hand and say adios. I'm going to jail. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, you, know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I you know, so I it's it, I, I think it's gonna be an embarrassing day for them on Sunday. Embarrassing. I really, really do. I, I, would almost hope that they call the whole goddamn thing off.
0: You know, it's and it's a shame for a guy like Michael Strahan. It's
1: a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Now, I, I don't think, I don't think Michael Strahan is going to hold enough goodwill amongst the fan base for what's going on. That people are just going to say, "Hey, it's Michael Strahan." You know, let's, let's just go and listen. Maybe they do go and they stay until halftime and then they leave. I, I don't know. But-, but you know what?
0: It's, it's interesting too because. <laughs> Michael Strahan was part of a team that won a Super Bowl. Was he on both Super Bowl teams or just one? What's that? Was he on both Super Bowl teams or just one? Michael he Strahan was
1: on. Uh, uh, I know he, he was, was on forty-two. Decided... Was
0: he on forty-six as well?
1: No, he wasn't because he retired in two. He retired after the first one. He got his Super Bowl. Yeah, he retired after the first one.
0: Okay. So, anyway, he was on one of the Super Bowl winning teams. And a once proud franchise that had Super Bowl aspirations has fallen to where they are right now, which is an utter disgrace in every sense of the word. Seeing Michael Strahan and having this ceremony to honor him and all that came along with being a giant in that era. Might even fuel that anger even more because it will remind fans this is what we once were and this is what we are now. Screw this. It might even fuel the anger even more. So I'm going to be interested. That's, you know, we always pick our three games that are intriguing to me. That's going to be one of them because I just want to see what well, happens with that it's crowd. It's
1: intriguing. Not be. It's only intriguing because of the, of what of what might happen within the fan base. Right, which right. Is, the game which itself is,
0: a, which yeah, is if, sad to say. If you offered me has, to watch that game or take a nap, I'd probably take the nap.
1: Right. Because it, for <laughs> a game that's supposed to be a divisional game with against a divisional rival, I mean, the game has zero meaning to the Giants. It means a lot more to the Eagles.
0: Yeah. Because like it you said, they've been playing better the over Eagles. recent weeks. They're
1: playing better. They're right there in a for a while card. And let me tell you something. The way Dallas is playing and the way some of the injuries have occurred for Dallas listen who's who's to say that the division isn't in play you don't know you 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 don't know so i mean andrew i i can't even it's to the point now it it doesn't even get you mad anymore it it it, i don't because you just you're watching this time in and time out and watching this happen and i just hope to god that somehow some way john mara gets it right with the gm search And then just let the GM have full autonomy, as we said prior. And you got to let him have full autonomy. If he doesn't want the quarterback and he wants to fire the coach, then that's it. And that's what it is. And that's why I say to bring a new GM now. Get rid of get him in now. Bring a guy in now and let him evaluate the quarterback. Let him evaluate the coach. You fired the offensive coordinator. Let's see what happens now. Let's see what happens. It's going to be the the same system. It's just going to be somebody different calling the plays.
0: Yeah, it's not going to make a difference. That's why I saw a lot of people that were rejoicing that Jason Garrett was fired. I don't understand what people think they're going to see in these last couple of weeks of the season. I mean, what are you going to average uh, 19 points per game instead of 17? Like, okay, big whoop. I don't know how you could walk away from last night's game thinking that Daniel Jones is your quarterback. I can't. And, and truthfully, it doesn't. All of last night, I'm not going to pin the whole thing on Joe Judge. It's a, it's a, it's a multitude of things. A lot of it falls on him. Not all of it falls on him. There's a bunch of things going on with this franchise. But you can't walk away from last night's game thinking that Joe Judge is your coach of the future either. I mean, that, that's how bad last night's losses. Losses like that are few and far between. And I don't want to yeah. keep beating a dead horse, but that's how bad it was. That's how that's bad it a, was. Yeah. And I can and I can tell because there's been a couple of primetime games, you know, that game against Washington in week two, the Monday night game in week eight against Kansas City, that they were in position to win and they were unable to win it. And we talk in a text thread. It's you, me, you, Tommy, Bruce, and we're going back and forth. And you were you were incensed with both of those losses because they should have won those games. But you were receptive to conversation. You're you're venting your frustrations. Last night I sent the text. You didn't even want to be bothered. You were just like so fed up with this team. You didn't I, even want to
1: it's there's nothing to say anymore because I'm watching the same thing. I feel like we could be sending the same text almost every single game. It's <laughs> the, it, no, it really is. It's just Copy and paste, copy and paste after every single game. Copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. I watched that game. I, in a way, I and I did look forward to it because I told you last week they could be, you know, they should be able to stay in this game. And there's no reason why they couldn't. They were in the game as bad as the defense looked, as bad as the offense looked. No matter what, eight minutes left in that third quarter, it was 17 10. 17 10. You're one possession away from tying that game, and then anything could happen. And they did absolutely nothing. As bad as it was, they did absolutely, I mean, just nothing, nothing. I watched nothing. I watched three and a half hours of Pixels on my TV. So
0: how That's about that? So you are you still? Obviously, you're going to watch on Sunday, but are you going to watch with? as close of an eye as you normally do, or are you going to be flipping through 1 o'clock games? I, I, I,
1: what I usually do is I have the grid on with all the games. You know, with DirecTV gives you that grid with eight games on a TV, so I got it on a big screen TV with eight eight games, and, and I'll watch it that way. You know, that's – I'll maybe flip on here and there a little bit, but I, I can't I, – I can't watch such incompetent quarterback play. This is the only team in the NFL since week eight of last season that has not scored – 30 points have not to hit the and this is in a league where the nfl is telling you here we're giving everybody 25 points on the board just whatever you get from there and they they can't reach that plateau 30 point they could not hit 30 points since week eight of last season it's the only team in the nfl only team and i have any more again how many more excuses do i gotta hear with the offensive line and it? It's it's tiresome.
0: And, and, and let's Steve, start
1: with the quarterback first.
0: Yes. Period. Steve That's Young, it. Steve Young is on the K show every week. And he brought something up. He says, when you're a young quarterback, he goes, you don't realize at first that in the NFL with the way that these defenses play and with the cushion that the cornerbacks are forced to give the wide receivers because the offenses, you know, the rules are catered towards offense he goes, you don't realize at first how many free yards there are out there for you to gain. He goes, when you get to year three of a quarterback's career and they're still not taking advantage of it and the game is moving too fast, he goes, that's as big of a red flag as you're going to ever see. And he goes, and there's no teaching that. Because the only thing that teaches that is reps. Repetition, getting snaps, in real game action is what teaches you that. And now you're in year yeah. three and you're still not taking advantage of it. He goes, there's no, no. coming back from it.
1: There's no coming back from it. That interception he threw last night out of McClendon, the defensive lineman, was, was utterly embarrassing. That's just the guy that's playing nervous. Even on the fourth and inches play, make a, try and make a play. Great play. I'm not saying he's great. He, he's far from great. But make a play. Even average quarterbacks can make a play under duress. That one he threw, Barkley, was going up the sideline he was falling back a little bit. I don't know if he was trying to throw the ball away. He threw right to that guy's hands. That was one of the most embarrassing interceptions I've ever seen. Ever seen. And if that's not indicative of the fact that this kid cannot be on this roster next year, I don't know what is. I oh, don't I tell know you, what is.
0: I tell you what, here's a perfect example. You brought up Heineke before, right? Guy went to Old Dominion, undrafted, 28 years old sprung into action because of everything that's gone wrong with Washington's quarterbacks. They draft Haskins. He's a bust. They sign Fitzpatrick. He goes out with the hip injury and now he's the starter. And the first couple of weeks, I mean, he obviously had some reps. He played pretty well against Tampa Bay in the playoffs last week, but the first couple of weeks he didn't play well. He didn't play well. And it started looking like last year's two game stretch for him was a fluke. But after a while as a quarterback, as an athlete, your natural instincts start to take over and you start to become better with time. The, there is no natural instincts with Daniel Jones. I saw the same thing. He's like a robot. He steps back in the pocket. He's yeah. under pressure, and he just backpedals a little more. There's no yep. stepping up in the pocket. There's no maneuvering the pocket. There's no shifting the pocket to the left or the right, according to what where your look is. He, he, he backs up into the pocket, takes a snap, looks at his first read. If the first read's not there or he's getting pressured, he panics, he backpedals, he spikes the ball, he throws it away, he airmails it, or throws a terrible interception. He, he yeah. doesn't know how to navigate the
1: He doesn't know how to navigate the pocket. None of it. Look at Tom Brady, the way he navigates it. And again, I'm not comparing it anybody to Tom Brady. I'm just not. Just look how Brady, with limited mobility and liberal, limited athleticism, can navigate a pocket. Um, I was going to say, look,
0: look at the starting quarterbacks in this league. Can you name one off the top of your head that's a worse athlete than Tom Brady?
1: No, you can't. <laughs> as slow as him or anything, but in the pocket. And, but he in knows the pocket, he's incredible. He's, in, right. he's incredible. Daniel Jones cannot do that. He cannot even throw on the run because he panics. When he's on the run, he cannot throw on the run. His head's not looking upfield. When he sits in the pocket and he's looking upfield, he's missing open guys, whether he's overthrowing them or just not completely seeing it. That Gala day last night when Riddick pointed it out. It was unreal how wide open he was, slant over the middle. You ain't going to get any more open than that in the NFL. It was an easy touchdown. Instead, he looked directly to the left to a guy that was already covered, outside on the sideline, had no play whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He was throwing across his body and threw the ball out of bounds. I'm You're not throwing going either. You're not looking at the – or you're just not going through your progressions. You're not – he overthrew Slayton on another ball. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, – it, it's just an out-and-out – out. the kid's an out-and-out out disaster. And that he, video – that video you
0: sent me that Orlovsky had posted. I mean, there's so many things wrong with that video. You got the three wide receivers, two on the left side of the line, one on the right, and all three of them run crossing patterns where they all they run all into, bump each, into other. each other. Uh into each other. The Tampa Bay defensive front that's rushing three – gets immediate pressure. I'm talking like instantaneous. The ball yeah. snapped there in the backfield. And Daniel Jones has three receivers in the middle of the field that all ran into each other. He missed all three of them. He, he threw the ball behind them.
1: Him. Yeah, didn't even matter.
0: I mean, if that if that just isn't a culmination of everything that's wrong with this team, if you can look at a clip like that and tell me you have any hope that things are changing unless there's massive turnover in the coaching staff and front office, then I have a pen I want to sell you. Because Seriously.
1: I mean, listen. It's, there's, it's there's nothing. There's nothing more to it's say bad. about the game. We can move on to the Jets because, <laughs> you know. But, and look, the Jets who really they could have stayed out of the limelight today. The Jets had their day yesterday with Salah and everything and else going. By on. By the way, but- I,
0: I hate I hate to cut you off, but uh, I was just wondering, did you did you see the Knicks were, were beating up on the Lakers?
1: Uh, I had the game off.
0: They were beating up on the Lakers, uh, but. Right now, the Lakers are on a twenty-two to two run, and the game is now sixty-six to sixty.
1: Oh, gee! And the Knicks are winning or losing?
0: They're winning, sixty-six to sixty. But the Lakers and no, are on LeBron, a No, LeBron is Anthony Davis playing? Anthony Davis he was is questionable. playing. Yes,
1: he was questionable. But then you got the the Jets, who just couldn't stay out of the news, and now it's been said that Mike White has COVID or he's COVID positive tested, and now Flacco is in the uh, uh, COVID protocols himself now. So it looks like they're both going to be missing Sunday's game. So Josh Johnson will back up Zach Wilson, who they announced as the starter today. So Zach Wilson will be a starter. So uh, against Houston, and you got to hope that this kid maybe could do something against the Texans. Although the Texans won a game against the Titans. I mean, this NFL is just insane. You you can't make this up. You know, the Titans 10 point favorites, they're at home and Ryan Tannehill throws four picks. And the Titans dominated that game. They were basically shutting the Titans out for three quarters. I mean, you know, look, the bottom line is without Derrick Henry, Tannehill is just a, a below-average quarterback. He's going back to his Miami days
0: yeah, that's all what over he is. again. But it, was, it's incredible, though, because the two weeks prior, they come up with a big win against the Colts on the road, a big did. win against the Rams on the road, they beat the Saints last week, and I know the Saints are not much without quarterback play with Trevor Simeon quarterback in them. But again, it's it's a tough, feisty opponent. They're able to get a win, and then they lose to the Texans. It's incredible. Now the Texans are three point favorites against the Jets with Zach Wilson back in the mix. Now Josh Johnson didn't get claimed; like they didn't put him on waivers. He'll be on the on the roster as the backup. Yeah, then with all gonna. the COVID yeah. concerns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. No, no. Listen, no team would be claiming Josh Johnson. First of all. You'd be surprised. I mean, he's been on like 12 different practice squads. Yeah, you just don't do that to another. (laughs) I know you just don't do that to another team, though, especially when they're that desperate because you wouldn't want that done to you either. So that's not going to happen anyway. But yeah, so he's got to come off the practice squad and Mike White and and Flacco go into the uh, COVID protocols. So, you know. Whatever. Listen, Sunday Sunday's game was, Jets uh, was also had bit the injury of to Michael Michael too. Potter also got injured. Their running back who he yep. really was playing well, and I tell you, Elijah Moore looks terrific.
0: I was gonna say if you want to take a bright spot of the Sunday's game, Elijah Moore looks like the real deal. But I mean it's more of the same with the Jets. The defense that eight-sack performance against Tennessee was obviously a fluke. They can't get any pressure, they didn't sack two or once. Tua sat back in the pocket at will, was able to go through all his progressions. Broken coverages in the secondary. You had the big touchdown from Mac Hollins, who lines up as a receiver, but he's as big as a tight end, does not run fast. There's no reason why he should be 20 yards downfield with no cornerback at sight. I mean, that was embarrassing. They can't get any sort of pressure. They couldn't stop the run. Miles Gaskin, who's the king of averaging like two yards a carry. He almost had a hundred yards. They couldn't get a stop. Two missed field goals by Amendola the kicker. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an embarrassment for them too. What else can you say that hasn't been said already with them as well? It's it's bad. New York sports as a whole is just in a bad place. A bad, no, bad place. You know, New York
1: football is in a bad, bad place. <laughs> you know, we've been through the baseball again. And, you know, it's just – I mean, it's just – in a, New York football is just an embarrassing over the last few years between the Giants and the Jets. Awful. I mean, you see, seasons are over. After five after five weeks, their seasons are over. I, I, I mean, you know, it really is. It's just terrible. I, I, you know, thank God for fantasy football, i tell you. I'll be honest with you, because at least it keeps your interest in the NFL. You know.
0: Okay, but you ready for something?
1: Go ahead. I got a rapid what this
0: fire is for be. you. Oh boy! Rapid fire. Okay. Number one. Who's a team to beat in the AFC? Oh
1: my god! After the, after I seen what of the, after I seen what I've seen of the Bills, I I mean this this. This past week, and you, the would Titans. Thought, you would have thought it you you would have thought it was gonna be them. The Titans, I never really thought, especially after they lost Derrick Henry. I thought that was it for them. There was no way that Ryan Tannehill was putting the Titans on his back without Derrick Henry. That was not going to happen. And their defense just is not good enough. They have a below average defense, just isn't good enough. So
0: is it crazy to say that the New England Patriots are the team to beat in the AFC I, right
1: now. I, you know what? It's not. And we've been saying this for what, three weeks? I told you this the last two weeks, too, So Watch out, Patriots. Watch out, Patriots. Watch out, Patriots.
0: And let me tell you something. Mac Mac Jones, we talked about him last week, deserves all the credit in the world. And he's obviously, he's been phenomenal. But that defense.
1: That that defense is tremendous. That
0: defense is incredible. What they did on Thursday night. I mean, the Falcons now have scored three points in their last two games now.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what we said at the beginning of the year. I said they had a lot of guys coming back defensively that sat out last year because of the COVID situation yep. that were all coming back and they're all back.
0: And I think that you they're could say back. you could probably make a, make a very strong case that Matthew Judon was probably the signing oh, of the offseason.
1: What a sign.
0: That guy's I mean, incredible. Listen,
1: that guy's a great player.
0: And on offense, you might be able to say that Hunter Henry was the signing of the offseason. season yeah. because he's catching a touchdown every time you turn around.
1: Well, look, we have, all, we, we all knew what, that Josh McDaniel loves his tight ends. Yeah. That's been but Belichick, the Bronx, Belichick, and is doing,
0: Belichick is doing what Belichick does, right? Like, on defense, his MO when Belichick is facing you is that he's going to take your best player out of the game. But on offense, he makes sure that his offense – has enough talent on it that there is no one-man show. And there isn't one guy you can take out of the game. They got a plethora of weapons. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, and Damian Harris come out of the backfield. They even use Brandon Bolden as like a poor man's James White catching passes out of the backfield. There's no one guy that you can zone in on and take out of the game that makes the Patriots' offense less effective.
1: I tell you what, I don't see any team in the the AFC that would want to face... New England, especially if they have home field. Even, say, though, even, even though they, they have a below uh five hundred record at home this year, but still at home in January. That team, Matt Jones, you know, uh, coming back after last season. Um I'm telling you, you think let the do uh, well, fa- you, you think Patrick Mahomes wants to face uh, Bill Belichick defense? Nobody does. I don't think so. Nobody does. I mean let, think, me, let you, me say you, something. You think Lamar Jackson wants to?
0: <laughs> For the record, anybody out there that listens to this podcast, not much needs to be said because we said it already, but if this isn't any, any indication, please give Tommy Locker and his flowers. He told you this about Mac Jones. He told you. He told everybody until he was blue in the face. He was very adamant about yeah, it. Everything yeah. he said about this kid has come to fruition right well, on the line. I market.
1: say that every week with Tommy. I give him his... Uh... I, I give him his just due every week about Mac Jones. I say it every single week. He was on the money. That guy's a... Let me let me ask you a question. Here's an interesting scenario. All right, so let's just... You know, he hasn't played poorly. He's actually played well, and he played really well in that uh, Ram game. What if Jimmy G somehow... Because the NFC is also pretty much wide open. Would mm-hmm. you say that? I, I there could be, It could be... It's wide open.
0: Yeah, well, again, it's the same as the AOC. Every time it looks right. like there's a team to beat, they kind of right. fall flat. Tampa Bay looked beatable. Green Bay just got beat by Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers what, what dealing he, with that what toe if he, injury.
1: What if Jimmy G takes him to an uh, an NFC Championship game or gets him back to the Super Bowl again? Now, what happens? Tell me. What do you think?
0: Wait, wait. Say that again, Jimmy G.
1: Yeah, what if, he, what if he takes him back to the NFC Championship game or he gets him back into the Super Bowl? What happens with the whole Trey Lance situation?
0: Oh, oh, oh I see what you were saying. I thought it was tying back to Belichick somehow. That's why I didn't know. No, he was
1: going. No, oh, no, 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 no. That's,
0: no, that's going to be a big black mark. I think it's going to be no. a similar black mark to the one that would have been on the Jets if Mike White put a string of games together where he looked like a franchise quarterback because you drafted well, a guy in doubt, second We second
1: know We already know what Jimmy G is. Yeah, he could be sometimes inconsistent a bit. He has his certain issues, but he did take them to a Super Bowl. Let's not forget that. And he has them playing pretty well now.
0: Yeah, you know that – well, you said it a couple weeks ago. That that defense isn't as good as it was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. It's still good enough, I it's, think, to compete. It's good, but it's not great. It's not great. It's, it's not shut it's, down.
1: But who in that NFC, again, is coming to the forefront right now. We've no, seen even the so Rams
0: look, now, two weeks in a row, they've looked lost.
1: Uh, look, the Rams are the perfect team. For the 49ers to play, too, because the 49ers showed it uh, a couple of weeks ago when they bullied them all over the field. They, You know what? The Rams have one of the best rushing defenses in the league. Well, you know what? They used their running game, and they stuck it up the Rams' ass. And the Rams knew they were running. And Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell abused them. Abused them. George Kittle abused them. The offensive line, with Kittle, abused them. So anything could happen here. Anything. Can happen. So that's my scenario here. What happens with this whole Jimmy G situation? Because I'll tell you the truth right now. At this point, right now, if the 49ers let him go, if I'm the Giants and I can't get to Sean Watson, I'll go take Jimmy G for a year or two. He's better than what we had.
0: Yeah, you know, that's not a bad it's not a bad point. And you know what?
1: What team wouldn't would you take Jimmy G on your team on the Steelers next year? If um... Ben retires.
0: You know what? I, I I think I I think I would, but but not his contract is a big thing. That's in a way, he's got a big contract. He's not worth the money he's making.
1: Well, I don't know what I don't know what the situation is with the contract, how that would work. I, I you know I don't know, but all things being considered, I'd have to look on spot track for that.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to pull it up right now.
1: Go but I thought I thought track. there was an out in that. There could
0: this. be. I mean, he signed. It was a five year. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the same money. Don't ask me how I remember this because I'm just kooky. I remember weird things. I think it was the same contract that Jacob DeGrom got. Five I years, 137 million.
1: Yeah, five years, 137. Yep. Okay, so after the 2022 season, he's an unrestricted free agent. He'd ha- he has one more year left at a base salary of 24 million. Andrew, that's not terrible. 24 million for a starting quarterback is is good nowadays. That's yeah, that's not, not terrible.
0: bad. That's not bad. That's not how 40 much, million. What's the dead cap situation for San Francisco if they cut him loose or trade him?
1: Well, dead cap if they cut him loose after uh let's see the dead cap. Well, in twenty twenty one it was twenty six nine. If if they cut him loose in twenty twenty two, it's one four. Oh wow. He's
0: probably good as
1: gone. He's as good as gone. That's what I'm saying. He's as good as gone. I knew it was something easy because they were talking, you know, with the whole Trey Lance situation, they were making it look too easy that they could have caught him. So I figured it was a dead cap or I thought maybe he could have, they, they could have just let him go after the season. But yeah, $24 million, a dead cap of 1.4. He's gone. Well, that's- so now what happens if they, if they release him? a dead cap hit of 1.4 million <laughs> it, it is nothing. It's nothing. So here we go. Let's see what happens.
0: For a starting cal- quarter, a uh, starting caliber quarterback, though, you're not gonna you you trade him and you get something. I mean, look at the picks that the Jets were able to compile for Sam Darnold. You would, but he you're didn't not going to prove get, that he going to get much.
1: Quarterback. Andrew, you're not going to get much because every team in the league knows that you're going to release him if you don't get anything anyway. So what would you maybe get, a fourth-round pick? I mean, Yeah, but a if there's a, there's a lot of
0: teams in this league that are going to be looking at signing a quarterback who's a veteran, who's won, who's been there and done that. So instead of going into a bidding war in free agency, for instance, let's say a team like the Denver Broncos wants him. Jimmy G's a California guy. He's probably not going to want to sign with the Broncos. So you know what? No, We're not going to put ourselves in competition with all the other teams on the free agent market when he's released we're just going to pull the trigger and make the trade we'll give you two second round picks give us or give us give you a second and third you give us jimmy and boom and they skip the line that way so i i, I could see that being a, a legitimate trade market and that contract is not as bad as i thought it was because no. it was front loaded his first year of that extension he got a base salary of 37 million i'm looking at it right now so yeah i kind of cut the cost of the last four years of that yes. extension so yes. very, very manageable. A quarterback who's a veteran, has playoff experience, is, you know, a type of guy who's not going to turn the ball over at will, who's going to do a little bit more. I'd say he's probably a, a, a smidge above a game manager, Jimmy J, right?
1: Yeah. And listen, he he's a serviceable quarterback. <clears throat> He's a serviceable quarterback.
0: And we've seen with the Giants and the Jets over the past couple of Listen, years serviceable I, I, quarterbacks are few and far between.
1: Look, he he's not he's not he's not great, but he's not terrible by any means. He's not. He, he's not.
0: Here's my next so, rapid fire question. Are the Philadelphia Eagles making the playoffs? Well,
1: let's. See let's let's look at their upcoming schedule and uh, as and things,
0: as things stand in this wild card race
1: Right. Well, right now they're five and six. So why wouldn't they be involved in in, in a wild card right yes. now? Yes, the last two you wild know, the, card the,
0: spots right now belong to the Vikings and the Saints, who are both sitting at five and five. Now, obviously, the Vikings don't impress anybody. The Saints, with Trevor Simeon quarterbacking them, I know they got Taysom Hill coming forget back. Forget about They'll the probably Saints.
1: The him. Saints are going to go downhill. Forget about them. I don't. I don't believe in the Saints with Trevor. Simeon. So you got San he, Fran. Was so, he was so bad the other day; it was god awful. I mean, <laughs> at this point, right now, yeah. I, I I don't know if. <laughs> Even so, and what's your choice? What's your what's your other choice? Taysom Hill? That guy's not a quarterback. Gadget yeah. player, not a and quarterback. They, and
0: they got a tough schedule coming up. They got the Eagles. They got the Bills. They got yeah. the Bucks. Although they always seem to find a way to the play Vikings the Vikings
1: Cousins, you just cannot trust. No, another one you cannot trust. But let me tell you something. I think San Fran makes the wild card. And let me see the Eagles. Let's see the Eagles. Uh, well,
0: they got the Giants twice. They got the Giants that, twice. They got the Jets. Right, so they got Washington twice, and they got Dallas.
1: Yeah, so it's it's winnable. They could easily win those next six games. They could win four or five of them.
0: So one, two, three, four, five, six games. So you say they go three and three or better that they get in? They go,
1: they go four and two. They're, they're at nine and eight. And they're that in. Pro- you think, that you gets think you they're in? in. Yeah. yeah, that gets you in. And now, uh, let me see the other guys here. 49ers got the Seahawks this week. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 49ers have the Seahawks next week. The 49ers. Yeah, Minnesota to, this week. And and they'll beat Minnesota. They got they'll Cincinnati, they got Tennessee. Francisco. They got the
0: Rams. They got Houston. They
1: they could beat Seattle in Seattle. Seattle's a dead team. That, that could be two wins right there. Then they play the Bengals at Bengals. That might be a tougher game for them with the Bengals. But then again, I don't like the way Burrow looks. So but I'll still give him a loss there. Two and one. And then you have the 49ers playing the Falcons. That's a win at San Francisco. Three and one there. Playing the Titans at Tennessee. They could beat them there. Why not? That's another potential win. So that, that would be four. Then you got the Texans playing the in and San Francisco. That's five wins. Let's say four or five wins right there. And then you got them ending the season at Rams. So that might be the tough one. But I, I can see them going four and two here. Four and two. What are they? Five? I'm sorry. They're five and five right now.
0: Yeah, five Five and, and five. five.
1: So I could see them going five and two right now, four and three. That yeah. gets them to nine and eight, ten and seven. Another shot right there. It's another okay. shot right there.
0: Here's my next question. Looking over at the AFC. Do my Pittsburgh Steelers get into the playoffs? Right now they are one. They are the last team out, or the first team out, I should say. The wild card right now, Bengals charges and Bills yeah, all no, six I'm, and four. I'm looking, I'm they're five and four it. and I'm one. That tie it. is going to come back to bite them in the ass. I know it.
1: Yeah, I, I say no because I still think uh, the Colts, I love the way the Colts are playing. With that running game and their defense, they're playing terrific. Jonathan Taylor's all world right now, and their defense played well. Played great against the Bills. There's a big good. test that, for them this week against Tampa Bay. That, that team's on the, it is a big test. It is, but I think they they have them in Indianapolis. So uh that certainly helps that they'll have the home crowd behind them. I just think there's better teams than, than the Steelers there. I, I don't think the Steelers are playing nearly at the level you need to be playing. I I hate their their offensive game plan because they don't have an offensive game plan. It's almost like Jason Garrett's twin brothers calling their (laughs) plays because all I know is I see a guy uh, of the ilk of Najee Harris. And I'm sorry, that guy should be getting the ball 25 to 30 times a game. You should be running the ball. Ben should be on the center. I have the same issues with the Giants. Put the guys on the center. Get a fullback in the game. Run the ball and use the play action. Instead, no. Both teams are the same thing. They're going to spread it four wide, five wide, and they're going to go empty backfield. It's ridiculous. Did, it you, did you see that? Did you sense.
0: see the? Did you see that trick play that the Steelers actually conjured up the other day when they had uh, a first and goal at the one yard line? They actually yeah. put a fullback in the game and handed the ball to their first round running back and yeah. ran yeah. it up the middle for a touchdown. The, Haven't seen a novel, that before.
1: There's a novel idea.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. It's I mean, incredible. It's, you know what? Really, and that and that Steeler game, not to get off the beaten path. That Steeler game. Uh, they got the the blocked punt. They blocked the punt that went out of bounds at the four-yard line, so they took over at the four. And they needed a touchdown in the worst way. They're trailing by 17 at that point. They start off first and goal at the four-yard line with an empty set. You were watching the game just like I was. I knew yep. they weren't scoring a touchdown when they did that. And they lucked out because on the fourth down play, they get a PI in the end zone. They get a fresh set of downs at the one. That's the yep. only reason why they scored. I knew it. They went empty set, five wide on oh, and first and goal at the four. I said, I knew it. And the four plays, they ran a fade route, bent through it out of the end zone. Then they run a stupid end around with Chase Claypool. Najee Harris doesn't touch the ball. Four downs with yeah. four yards to go, and Najee Harris doesn't touch the ball. And, it's incredible. and
1: that's it. That's their biggest detriment right there. So, no, I don't think – I'm sorry. I don't think they make the – I don't think they were making a playoff coming into the season, and I haven't seen anything that remotely thinks that they're good enough to even make the playoffs at this point right now. I just don't. I mean, I could be wrong. I just don't, though. It'll be a battle, but I, I just see better teams. I still I still think the Browns will jump ahead of them, even though the Browns are having their own problems. But at least the Browns look, the, the Browns are having their problems offensive abilities. You know, they're coming in running the ball 40 times a game. They don't care. They they have a good defense, they have an above average defense, and they're gonna run the ball. And they're getting Kareem Hunt back this week. So look, they got that two headed monster back in toe with Chubb and Hunt, and even you have Dearness Johnson there who you know solidified himself a spot on the team, even with Hunt coming back. Yeah. He's going to get some carries. He'll get, a, he'll get a little few carries here and there. So they got three good running backs there. They have a great offensive line. They got no receivers, but you know they what? don't think, really use them anyway.
0: I think that's what gives the Browns the edge over the Steelers. They're both teams that have major flaws, but the reason why I give the edge to the Browns is because the Browns know what they are.
1: Right. You have an identity.
0: They realize who they are, and they construct a game plan according to that. Pittsburgh still is, says, hey, Ben can still sling it 40 times a game and win for us. And but it, I don't get can't the happen.
1: history of the Giants and the Steelers uh, of having smash-mouth running games and and, and top-notch defenses. And the Steelers defense has been good over the last few years. I can't say they haven't. But at least on the other side of the ball, and these both these teams are trying to just go four wide. Empty backfield, no fullback, quarterback constantly in shotgun between Ben and Daniel Jones, constantly instead of getting under the center's ass, getting a fullback in the game, establish a running attack, and working off the play action. I, I, it's that simple. It's that simple. Keep yeah, the game just... simple. If you're struggling, then just keep it simple. The Giants did that against the Raiders. They simplified the game plan. They ran the ball. Period, but again, you get a guy like Barkley, you can't run the ball smash mouth because he's not a smash mouth running back. Devontae Booker was running the ball well last year. I'll say it a million times: Goldman and Alfred Morris kept Giants in games because they ran the ball well. So look, there
0: was a, there was a couple instances last night too, not to get back to the Giants, but there was a couple instances too where. There was a running play, and it was completely blown up. As soon as the ball was snapped, you knew it. And all Barkley had to do was fall forward and get a yard, and he just stutter-stepped and danced and lost three. Yeah. Just take the yard. My God, is it that difficult of a concept?
1: Well, to him it is. (laughs) To him it is. Uh, It's, you know, so, uh, I I mean, there's nothing more I could say about them. Here's
0: my next rapid fire question. Offensive rookie of the year, Mac Jones or Jamar Chase?
1: It's got to be Mac Jones. Jamar Chase has made some big splash plays, but he hasn't been consistent enough. That's my reason. his game too. out where oh. Mac Jones has been and he's listen, he has he put the team on his back and carried them Mac Jones? No. But he's been good enough to lead them to a 7 and 4 uh, uh, record right now, playing uh, probably the best football in the NFL at this point. Put it this way, if Cam Cam Newton
0: has been playing quarterback for the Patriots, he's 11 weeks. So they sit in 7-4 first place in the NFC East?
1: No, Cam Newton was was not that good last week. Let's let's all, you know, Cam Newton had a couple plays where he had DJ Moore open, and he couldn't even reach him. So, (laughs) you know, Cam Newton, it, it excited the fan base. But here's the bottom line. The Panthers lost. They lost. Cam Newton ran one in, and that's what he does now. Cam Newton is really a running back. That's what he is. So that's, big, that's
0: the biggest compliment you get give to Mac Jones. He's been better than what they had, and they're in playoff position right now because of him.
1: That's it, but he's been consistent. A rookie coming into this league, and he's established himself well. And let's not forget how we looked in that Tampa game. Let me tell you something. That's when that kid really impressed me. In that sort of a pressure-packed situation, Tom Brady coming back to New England, that kid played better than Tom Brady. That's all you need to know about Mac Jones. That's yeah, when you sure. know... That's when you know you have a quarterback for a long time. When that kid went under the lights in that sort of a pressure-packed environment and outplayed the best quarterback in the NFL in history. Outplayed him. So there you go.
0: No argument there? There you go. All right. Did my rapid fire with uh, with some success. Uh, I say we move on to our pick. and then I want to touch on baseball quick before we we end this night off again. Not a night, not a week that I want to recap, but I'm forced to, obviously, because uh, got to give it to the people. So another Owen three week. I'm not even going to go through my picks. They were all disgraceful. I mean, just to give you a glimpse, I had the Titans 10 and the ten and a half and they lose the game outright to the Houston Texans. That's all you need to know. Like the Seahawks getting two and a half that disaster. They lose the game outright to Colt McCoy. So 0-3 oh, week, I pick up no points. I have a 12-18 and 18 record with 21 points. Uh, Rob had a tough week too, but he nailed his two-point play. And so he's 16-14 and 14 with 36 points. So he's got a 15-point lead over me, and he's got a four-game lead in the win-loss column. Points tell all the story, though. That's what we go by, end of season. So he's got 15 points on me. So you're talking right now I would need three sweeps in a row and three consecutive weeks of Rob missing all three picks to get a three-point lead on him. That's that's a tough toll to climb out of.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll give you a little bonus pick at some point.
0: Oh, you're going to extend an olive branch just like I'll you did you last a, year because you felt bad for me?
1: I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an olive branch. Why not? You're my partner. <laughs> you're my buddy. So that's what we do for each other here. All right, We're not, so let's, uh, we're not out a mile. No,
0: no, we're not. No, we're not. So let's move on to week 12, shall we? And Rob had the better week which I feel like I say every single time we do this pick em segment, but he had a better week. So he'll start things off. He'll give us one point play. I'll get my one and my two. He'll give us two and his three and I'll close out the pick, close out the segment with my three point play, hoping desperately I can get a change of fortune and I can gain some ground because I am, the season is slowly slipping away from me. And like I said before, I didn't have a ton of time to do research. I'm coming, kind of coming at this blind, looking at the lines, going with my first gut, what line looks good. So, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's for the best Maybe I'll have a reverse of fortune this week But Rob, start things off my friend Alright Andrew,
1: so I'm going to lead it off I'm going to Cincinnati And I'm going to take your boys I'm going to take them Because I just think they're in a desperate situation Look, I tell you what You have to give the Steelers credit Coming back from the 17 point deficit In that Charger game Where it looked like they were dead and buried But you know a lot of times When, when you take a franchise that is, that is used to winning Making the playoffs year in and year out you know, a lot of times when they get desperate, man, they start scratching and clawing their way back. And I kind of think the Steelers are in this situation this week. I'm almost going to say it's a must win for the Steelers this week. At 5-4-1, and one, they cannot afford another loss here. And the Steelers always play the Bengals tough. Somehow, someway, the Bengals just... I understand the Bengals beat beat the Steelers earlier this season, but when push comes to shove in a big game, I just feel like the Steelers right now getting four and a half. Listen, they might not win the game outright, but I think they're going to keep it close enough to the point where desperation is going to take over for the Steelers here. They know they're going to be desperate. I, 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 I'm I, thinking that they're going to have Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, and CJ Watt back who all three guys were missing. Maybe Watt is still going to be questionable, but I think two of those three guys will probably come back, and the only guy that maybe would be a little doubtful would be T.J. Watt. I don't know what you heard, Andrew, as far as that was concerned. But Tomlin said
0: today he anticipates all three, Hayden, Minka, and T.J. to be back.
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, listen, with all three of those guys back, I think it's going to make a world of difference to the skill of defense. Uh, I tell you why, Casey Haywood played an unbelievable game last week. I, I mean... He was terrific, Hayward. Casey Hayward. Casey. Cameron. Oh, Cameron. Cameron, I knew I was wrong there. Uh, Casey Hayward was a Charger guy, I think. Yes. Um So Cameron Hayward played a terrific game last week himself. But, you know, with T.J. Watt coming back, Micah Fitzpatrick and, and Joe Hayden all returning to the lineup, it's going to solidify their defense and I think make make things a little tough on Joe Burrow and company a little bit over here because Joe Burrow has not been able to really get the ball downfield with his big weapons. T.J. Higgins has been absent. Jamal Chase has not made any big plays in the last couple of weeks. had a chance to make a big play last week against the Raiders. He dropped the ball in the end zone. A little bit of a tough catch. But Joe Burrow's been running for his life once again behind that offensive line, which is now broken down, where they were playing well in the beginning of the season. Now they're not. Joe Mixon has run the ball well, but it's going to be very, very tough to to run the ball on the Steelers because if you're going to beat the Steelers in this game, they're going to have to get the ball downfield on the Steelers, the Bengals. Because I don't think Vicks is going to have success running the ball like the way he has over the last couple of weeks. So I'm just looking at the desperate team here. The Steelers are the desperate team. Can't afford to go to 5-5-1 five, five, and one and have their season basically start going, you know, just snowballing downhill. So I'm, I'm locking up the Steelers here. Minus 4.5 is my one-point pick.
0: All right. My one-point pick. I know you just said something that kind of goes contrary to what I'm picking here. But I'm going down to Miami. Carolina Panthers taking on the Miami Dolphins. And listen, I know Cam Newton didn't play great, but I just can't side with the Miami Dolphins in this game. Okay, Carolina Panthers are first in the NFL in pass defense, only surrendering about 170 yards passing per game. Miles Gaskin, he doesn't move the needle. He's not going to be that type of downhill guy that's going to be able to control the pace of the game and two is not going to be able to sling the ball against this defense. I have a feeling that the Panthers are going to be able to do enough to come out victorious in this game. They're only two-point favorites, only need to win by three a field goal for me to hit this pick, so I have confidence in it. I believe that Cam Newton will be able to get enough done. You got to remember now, he came in, he injected some life. He was thrown into the starting lineup. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to have a full week of reps, learns the offense even more than he already did. They can cater the game plan according to what he can still do well. I have a feeling that the Panthers are going to come out after a brutal loss to Washington last week. They're going to come out strong this week, and they're going to start things off with a win. So I'm going to take the Panthers minus two as my one-point play. My two-point play. Another 1 o'clock game on Sunday. And you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Indianapolis Colts. And this is going to be a big test for the Indianapolis Colts. They've been playing really well. I was on record saying that I expected the Colts to win this division after Derrick Henry went down. I picked the Colts to win this division in the beginning of the season. And then when Derrick Henry went down, even though the Titans had a three-game lead, I said, you know what, the Colts are going to win this division because I just don't see a path to sustained and consistent success. For the Titans with Ryan Tannehill being their primary offensive option and the Colts have been incredible with Jonathan Taylor well guess what you can't run the ball on that Tampa Bay defense and if you force Carson Wentz to play hero ball that's when he's prone to making mistakes Buccaneers are three-point favorites on the road indoors Tom Brady's always had success playing at that stadium in his days of the Manning and Brady rivalry always seemed to have Peyton's number in that building so I'm going to go with the Buccaneers as three-point favorites this weekend as my two-point play. I expect them to bounce back. They look beatable. I know they had that win over the Giants, but that was just kind of practice for them because that was such an embarrassing embarrassment performance by the Giants. I think this week in a big game and a big test, all eyes watching, I think that Brady and the Bucks show that they're the superior team. Knock the Colts a little bit off their pedestal this week. I still think the Colts win this division. I still think they're a tough out in the playoffs. I still think they're a good team. This is more of an indictment on who I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are and what they can do to stop the Colts rather than me thinking that the Colts are not that good. So I got the, the, the Bucks minus three. That's my two-point play. Point.
1: You know, I tell you, I was, I was fighting as far as who I was going to take with my two-point pick. You know, man, oh man, this is tough but I'm gonna to go to a Thursday game here, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Buffalo Bills, and I know they're minus six in New Orleans, but they just can't be as bad as they were against the Colts. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to think that the Bills are gonna to want to fight their way out of this right now, because I don't think they're nearly as bad. as Josh Allen, really, I tell you, I think we the last four weeks he has not played well. But from what I've seen of Trevor Simeon, Andrew, and he's listen, he is Trevor Simeon. He's god awful. That guy's not a professional NFL quarterback. He's just not. He's a professional clipboard holder. That's what he should be. I just can't see the Saints competing in this game. Now, maybe they get Kamara back. I don't know. But I don't He, still, he don't... didn't
0: practice again today. Yeah, I,
1: I don't think it's going to make much of a difference right now at this point. I just don't think, A, they have enough to, to keep up with the Bills' offense. And, B, I think the Bills are going to be pissed off coming off and ass-whipping to the Colts. In Buffalo, no less. And, again, look, the Bills are another team. They're losing a stranglehold on this division. This was their division to lose, and they're losing it right now. And Josh Allen has to step up his game. You know, they gave him that $240 million contract before the start of this season. Let me tell you something. He hasn't proven it this season yet. He's been wildly inconsistent. So, you know, I think they got to get back to a bit of a running game here. It's another team right now that's losing their weight because they're losing their running game. You cannot use Josh Allen as your running game. When Jalen Hurts started playing better, yeah, I understand he ran the ball for 70 yards. He had three rushing touchdowns this past week. But they started to run the ball over the past few weeks with Jordan Howard, Austin Scott they were using. So, uh, you know, they started to, to establish a bit of a running game and give the quarterback a chance here. And the, the Bills have to go back to that. You're seeing them play Matt Greeter, Zach Moss, Devin Single, Pariola. You know, it, yeah, establish one guy and get a running game going, and again work off the play action. You have enough weapons in offense with Diggs and Sanders and Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox coming back. You have plenty of weapons here on offense to to put up points. And for some reason, why the Bills have been inconsistent, and I think that they're using Josh Allen as their running game, which I think is foolish. I'm not saying to keep him in the pocket. Yes, uses mobility at times, but they're using him as their running game, period. So I- I'm looking at this right now. The Saints don't have nearly enough weapons on offense over here. I understand it's short week Thanksgiving, but you know what? The Bills are desperate here. Another team desperate for a win because they can't go afford to go 6-5 here. They can't because the, the, the Patriots will just take over this division and have a stranglehold on it. So I think the Bills come out. I like the minus minus and six to cover. Thanksgiving Day, gobble, 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 and that's my two-point pick. Now, my three-point pick. I was fighting this a bit, but I kind of love the way this team is playing. I mentioned them a little bit earlier. I love the way the 49ers are playing, Andrew. I really, really do. I love what they did against the Rams. Last week they took care of the Jaguars. Debo Samuel has been an absolute force. They actually used—they used him last week out of out of the out of the backfield as a running back. And Brandon Ayuk all of a sudden has been found. George Kittle has been outstanding since he's come back. So they have plenty of weapons on offense with Ayuk, Kittle. If Elijah Mick, Mitchell comes back. Start. They started to use Trey Sermon a bit here, so I, I think they have plenty of weapons, and their defense has been a bit more physical. They're starting to find that balance on offense and defense, especially on the offense. They're using that running game and setting up the passing game with Jimmy G. Again, using the running game to set up the play action is a recipe for success in the NFL if of so these dopey teams like the Giants and Steelers have not figured that out yet. So I I, kind of like the way the 49ers have been playing. They've been getting physical, too, with teams. I I just don't think this is the type of game that the Vikings win. The Vikings won their big divisional game last week against the Packers. I think this is a letdown because as much as Kirk Hudson has been putting up numbers, he puts up a lot of stinkers. And I think going into San Francisco, he'll be putting up a bit of a stinker here. I just get a feeling that they shut down Dalvin Cook. They shut down Kirk Cousins in a passing game. They use their running game. They use George Kittle. They use Debo Samuel. 49ers come away with a win here. Minus the three. I like the 49ers with my like 3.5.
0: Alright.
1: Now I'm kind of huh.
0: So for some reason, I don't know why I did this, but I was writing down the lines and I thought I somehow I just I have the score open just like you do. And uh, for some reason I had the Steelers written down as plus one, but they're plus four and a half, so that game looks very, very good to me.
1: But that's I'm not right. gonna take
0: it yeah, not gonna take it as my right. three point play, because I am oh. not getting bit in the ass by my favorite team on a three point play. Ah. Not doing it, not doing it. Uh, no, I'm pretty confident this game caught my eye right away. And again, it's another it's a fishy spread. And I got bit in the ass as you did last week taking Green Bay. I thought seemed get, fishy. I
1: say, I said it was fishy. I got bit in the ass my own fault.
0: But I, I, I'm going with it again. Going to 4 o'clock in the Mile High Stadium. You got the Los God, Angeles Chargers.
1: I tell you, I was that close to taking the Chargers, that <laughs> I stayed away. I stayed I'm away. I'm taking them. I'm taking them. I stayed away because I said, man, this line just looks way too easy right now. I just, just don't, uh, you know.
0: I tell you what. He, yeah. he, he, here's my reasoning for that this. That was my
1: other game. I, was, I said I'm fighting this three-point pick. And that was my fight. And I didn't even take the charges as my one and two. I was gonna take him as my one and two. And then I said maybe I'll leave him for my three. But then I also like the nine so I just went up the charges completely.
0: <laughs> well you're gonna be wishing. You're gonna be wishing that you took him after this week. Uh,
1: Alright, God bless.
0: <laughs> so Von Miller traded away. He's with the Rams now. Bradley Chubb's been injured all year. Kareem Jackson's questionable. Bryce Callahan's on injured reserve. Garrett Bowles tested positive for COVID. He's probably going to be out for this game. Who's uh, who's blocking Joey Bosa on that line? Nobody. Nobody. How many points is Teddy Bridgewater going to be able to put up? Probably Teddy not two, many.
1: Teddy two gloves.
0: Teddy two gloves. He put up 13 points on the Philadelphia Eagles at home two weeks ago. He's not good. He's not good. And that Chargers team, listen, you saw Justin Herbert has a world of talent. But let's be honest, in that Steelers game, he got into a rhythm because they were getting no pressure on him. He was sitting back in the pocket, and he knew that he wasn't going to get hit. When you have a quarterback that drops back and knows that there's no chance of anybody hitting him, they become that much more effective. I see a similar circumstance this weekend. I don't see Denver being able to generate any sort of pressure on this team. The left side of that offensive line between Matt Filer and uh, Rashawn Slater for the Chargers They've been impeccable. Rashawn Slater has been the highest-graded offensive lineman by a long shot in terms of all the rookies. He's been incredible. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, even Larry Rountree gets the ball. He runs like a bat out of hell. That kid's a beast too. I just think there's too much on the field in terms of skill for the Chargers and not enough skill to contain it on the side of the Broncos. I understand road game for the Chargers, divisional rivalry. Should be a close game. I guess that's the thinking behind it. Chargers have been kind of inconsistent. I don't know. I saw that offense clicking on all cylinders on Sunday night. What have you done for me lately? What you've done for me lately is you impressed me with a 41-point showing. I expect more of the same this weekend. Chargers minus 2.5. That's my three-point play. Am I going to get bit in the ass? Probably, but I'm going with my gut once again. No research, no overthinking, looking at the lines that look appealing to me, taking them, locking them in picking up some ground in the standings because God knows I need it. Because if I have another 0-3 week, you could pretty much stick a fork in me and, and bury my casket six feet under. Because <laughs> there is no crawling out of the hole that I create for myself if I go 0-3 again. But Panthers minus two, Bucks minus three, Chargers minus two and a half. All three of my teams win by a field goal in the Bucks case, win by four. And I'm good. And that was
1: my Sounds picks. good. All right. Sounds good.
0: So we'll see what happens. So no, I got want- no skin in the game on Thursday, but you do, right? You got the Bills. You got the Bills on Thursday. So you're going to be watching closely here. after yeah. uh, after Thanksgiving. A lot of people have that uh, – the trip to fan makes them a little tired. They want to take a, a little couch nap. Not Rob. He's going to be locked in. That I'll be locked in. Thursday night. Locked in. For sure. All right. I wanted to get a little, little bit of baseball before we call the quits. And I'm curious to see how you feel about this. We mentioned it shortly. Didn't give our feelings on the matter. But yesterday, one of the free agents that the Mets have, he found a new home as well evidently with the Los Angeles Angels, just as Noah Syndergaard did. And that's Aaron Loop. Um, And I got to tell you, the the Mets fan base to me is infuriating. It infuriates me because, and I'm not going to get, we're not going to get into this argument again, but remember I was a strong advocate of signing George Springer and the masses, everybody in Mets Twitter wanted George Springer, 150 million, 175 million, whatever he wants. Give him a blank check, get him in here. We need him. And then Aaron Loop signs a 2-year, 17 million dollar deal with the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, that was a lot fans, of money.
1: It was a lot of money.
0: I I listen, I get it's a lot of money and I get that he's not going to be signed he's not going to be pitching to a 0.95 ERA No one in their right mind knew that. Listen, we all acknowledge after Pete Alonso had 53 home runs his rookie year, we all acknowledge he's not going to do that again. It was it's a career year for a reason. It's not going to happen. But this guy is a crafty veteran. He enjoyed his most success under your coaching staff and the only leftover from last year's coaching staff is who Rob, the pitching, the coach, pitching coach, Jeremy yeah. Hefner. So you would think, you know, this guy better than anybody else. You should bring him back. Jerry's familiar is gone. I mean, good riddance. He was very good in the first half fell apart, came back down to earth and showed his true colors again in the second half. Edwin Diaz is hit or miss Miguel Castro sucks. Now Aaron loop is gone. So now you have an oft-injured Jacob DeGrom not knowing what he's bringing to the table. A Taiwan Walker that was wildly inconsistent in the second half. Marcus Stroman's still a free agent. Noah Syndergaard is gone. David Peterson's coming off the surgery. Tyler McGill, you don't know who he is. Question marks galore in the starting rotation. And now you go into bullpen. You got a Seth Lugo who is wildly inconsistent. And Edwin Diaz who sucks whenever the moment gets big enough for him. He shrivels up like a raisin. Miguel Castro sucks. familia is gone. Loop is gone. Now what do you got coming out of the bullpen? So what are we going to do? We're going to extend Javier Baez and just call it an offseason and say, hey, hey, we brought back El Mago, and that's it. Listen, I know Steve Cohen gave his word of approval at the Epler press conference, and he said that he told Sandy and he told Billy that there's no limitations. You, you, you got to spend. Go spend. We want to field the competitive team. bro. there's only so much you can do with money on the free agent market to fill all the holes that this team has. And this offseason has started. And there was a lot of turmoil and we didn't have a manager in place and we didn't have a general manager in place. And Noah Syndergaard even alluded to the fact that that's why part of the reason why he signed with the angels. I mean, yet he gave him more money, but he didn't even go back to the Mets and ask them to match the offer. Cause he said there was too much uncertainty in a year that was make or break for him. He didn't know who the manager was going to be and all this other stuff. So now in, a, in an off season where we struggled so mightily to get a general manager, finally get him in here there's tons of work to be done, and what we're doing now is we're creating more holes that need to be filled by not signing Aaron Loop. Seventeen million million, two two years for a guy that had a, a, a career year. I get that people might think that that's a lot of money, but I just find it comical that the same people who are willing to throw $175 million at a 31-year-old outfielder are not willing to give two years and $17 million to a left-handed reliever that is a hot commodity in baseball who pitched to a 0.95 ERA last year. I, I I don't get something doesn't add up in my head as to, as to why fans seem to have no issue with this, because I have a huge issue with it. I, it it didn't even seem like they made an attempt to bring him back.
1: I had an issue with it too early on. And I, and then I started looking more into Aaron Luke's career numbers and I started looking at the contract itself. And yeah, we're all saying, all right, 17 million. But, you know, at some point, you got to have your limitations as to what you're going to spend. And we also have to see which way they're going to spend the money. We don't know what else they're going to do with their money. Again, you know, I mentioned it last week Robinson Cano's contracts coming back on the books, $24 million. Now, you look at Aaron Loop's career pr- prior to uh, 2021, you know, he was with the Devil Rays. It, well, he was with the Tampa Rays. The season before, he only threw, what did he throw? 25 innings wasn't used like the way he was used with the Mets prior to that in 2019 he was injured through three innings 2018 he threw 39 innings 2000 I'm sorry 74 uh 39 yeah 39 innings he threw in 2018 now and really you look at his career he really has not he was never as good as he was this season and I think that's the, what the Mets were looking at. They got a bargain in him this year, signing him to a three million dollar contract. So they got a bargain out of it. I guess the way to look at it is to say, listen, we got the best out of him we can possibly get. He ain't going to be worth seventeen million dollars over the next two years. And I don't think they're going to be so far off base with that evaluation. To be to be honest with you, Andrew, he's thirty four year old left handed starter. I don't know you know, if maybe he could have even been overworked last year to a certain degree, as much as we only look at 56 innings. But who knows? We know the volatility of these relievers. So, look, if we found Aaron Loop last year off the scrap heap and we found him off the scrap heap, then maybe we find the next Aaron Loop off the scrap heap at some point. Instead of signing these guys to a $17 million two-year deal at the age of 34, Coming off the best season of his life.
0: But see, that's the thing, though, is that two years, 17 million. Is that going to hamstring this team in any it's, way if Aaron uh, yeah, Luke doesn't it, end up being here, that great? Here's
1: the problem. Here's the problem. And again, I'm not I, – I, I was against this when I first heard about it, and then I started looking more into the contract and more at Loops career. I'm not saying it's going to hamstring us, but at some point you have to reel it in a bit because let's see what their other moves are going to be. Andrew, this team needs – listen, it's going to be a lot easier to find – relievers off the scrap heap, than it is starting pitches. So let's see if they bring a Stroman back. Let's see if they go after a Kevin Gaussman maybe, possibly. you know. So let's see what they're going to do. Maybe they signed two starting pitches. Word is uh, they were saying the rumor is that they offered Stephen Matz a contract from what I heard. Uh, let's see if that comes to fruition. So they got to bring back starting pitching first, then worry about the bullpen. Let's see what they need to spend on the starters first and even another bat or two, and let's see what happens with Saeed Suzuki, who we mentioned, who is going up for bidding now, so let's see what happens with that. Let's see where the money's being spent before, I guess, we overreact to this Aaron Loop contract, which, to me, Aaron Loop's not going to make the difference in us winning 75 games or winning 90 games next year. It's just not. It's not. Well, And think-
0: and, and going back to your point about Matt's what Mark Sand is reporting is that uh, he's expected to come to a decision tomorrow. He has eight offers on the table from a variety of teams, not going to run through all the teams, but the Mets are one of them. And the rumored contract is a tick up from what Anthony DiSclefani just got with the Giants. And Anthony DiSclefani just got three years, $45 million. So you're talking about an average annual value over $15 million for three plus years, three or more, potentially plus years of Steven Matz. No, thank you. No, thank you.
1: I wouldn't mind seeing it two years with a team option third, but you know what? Here's the problem, Andrew. Steven Max is going to have a bit of a market. He's a left handed starter. He's let, let his market he, develop with the I, other teams. I want just, him. I want I, no I, part under, of I understand that. I'm just giving you reasons here. Yeah, that's it. Don't argue with me about it. I'm just giving you reasons. He, he's a left handed starter. And I'll be honest with you three years, 45 million right now is a bargain for any starter out there on the market. I'd be like, I, look, he, he's coming off a, a good year with the Blue Jays. So sometimes these left-handed starters, man, they take a few years to develop, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying I want Stephen Matz back either because been there, done that, don't get me wrong. But I think the Mets are looking at it like, hey, we can get this guy at somewhat of a bargain, three years, $15 million a year. I'd rather see it maybe where it's, you know, maybe more of an incentive-laden type of contract but or two years with a team option third year. But three years, $45 million, I would probably take a pass myself, believe me. But that's the way they're looking at it. And look, if you look at Di Scafani's career prior to the, what he did with the Giants this past season, he's Steven Matz. Di Stephen Steven Matz. He was no yeah, better.
0: I, I, I wouldn't have given Di Scafani that kind of money either. Yeah. But that's the he, kind of, you know, the Giants are doing but, the same thing. They're bargaining, shopping for starting pitching again, hoping that it works.
1: Right. No doubt. But you know what? Guys like Mattson and guys like D Scafani had that one year and they're coming up on they come up on free agency, they're gonna get some money, whether or not we agree with it or not. But again, three years at 45 million in this sort of atmosphere is, is not the worst thing in the world. If we're looking to pay a left-handed reliever 17 million, I guess you could pay the left-handed starter 45.
0: Yeah, you know, it now, now that I think about it, I, I tell you what, I'd rather Stephen Mattson three years, 45 million than even making an offer to a guy like Robbie Ray. Don't, don't, well, don't want him.
1: That's another situation coming You're coming off a guy that, that had his career year as, as a free agent. He had a Cy Young. You know, he's getting a Cy Young. He got Cy I mean, Young. Yeah, he, he they, won the Cy Young. He, he look, a, but Cy again, Young. a guy like yeah. that,
0: look at his numbers before he won the Cy Young. I mean, uh, he's, exactly. a, he's, a, he's a fringe back of the rotation starting pitcher.
1: Exactly. That's good. Now, that, well, he's whatever going to get... Whoever signs get that contract
0: with Robbie Ray, it's going to be Patrick Corbin 2.0. How bad does that Patrick right. Corbin contract look with it's the terrible. Nationals right now?
1: It's so I wouldn't
0: want him, and I wouldn't want Rodon either. And so Patrick I, I Corbin guess was a better, better than starter better
1: than Robbie Ray was at, at you know certain points. He was a better starter. So, I mean, look, sometimes you can catch lightning in a bottle with these guys for a year or two, like Ades a Discofani and and a Robbie Ray did, and, and even Steven Matz, for that matter, uh, um, last season. Sometimes you can catch lightning in a bottle, and especially with the lefty. Again, Robbie Ray's a lefty also. These lefties sometimes come into their own. Sometimes it takes six, seven years. For whatever reason, lefties seem to develop a lot later in careers than than right-handed starters, and that's pretty much been in baseball for years. You know, this Uh, would
0: all be so much more simple if they just did not let Zach Wheeler go. You know that?
1: Well, look, (laughs) you know, the only thing we have to say with that is – uh, that was the Wilpon regime, unfortunately, that screwed us with that. But, yeah, I mean, because to be honest with you, Wheeler was. I'm. I, you look at Wheeler's contract now, he looks like a bargain.
0: And listen, I, I know that Corbin Burns won and he had a terrific year, but I think that Wheeler got snubbed for the. Uh, he si got young. Snubbed. I thought he that Wheeler should have snubbed. won. Yeah,
1: he got snubbed. Yeah, I thought he got snubbed. But. You know, uh, it's it's a funky situation. So, look, we'll see what happens with the best. But let's see where they allocate the monies to. You know, my only problem is, and, and again, you you heard it. I heard it the other day with the whole Billy Epler press conference. And after that, you know, all the words on the street is that everybody is concerned about Sandy Olson, Alderson being there. Not only are they concerned about him, but they're concerned about his son being there as well. And they're saying that certain guys did not take interviews because of that. And Alderson is another guy. He's conservative, Alderson. I don't know if the, if Alderson's the guy that you want running your team, even for this season. I, I just don't know if he's the guy that you want in charge to rebuild it. Well, not so much rebuild, but to somehow get this team uh, back into a winning situation.
0: Yeah, there is no rebuilding when you got a team with $185 million payroll. You need to find a way to make it work.
1: No, I well, this is going to be somewhat of a rebuild because you're replacing Conforto. You're going to need a third baseman. I don't think I don't know if they're bringing back Jonathan VR. I don't know if they're doing that. So you're going to need you need a center fielder. You probably will need a second baseman because I'm guessing that McNeil's going to be gone. You certainly need to rebuild your starting staff and your bullpen. So yeah, it's somewhat of a rebuild. It's a re, it's a rebuild. Without saying it's a rebuild, it really is. When you got to replace. When you got to replace just about every single starter after Jacob DeGrom, because, um, you know, you want to count Tyler McGill, uh, David Peterson, those guys are guys are going to be guys that are fringe guys going into spring training looking for a spot in the back end of the rotation. That's all they're going to be. And McGill probably gave himself a better chance than Peterson ever did because Peterson was god-awful. Uh, so, you know, Peterson probably... Um, McGill probably has the outside track at a fourth or fifth uh, um, spot in the rotation. But, you know, Carlos Carrasco with with bone chips in his elbow, 34 years old, with all the injuries he had last year, you're going to rely on him? I mean, yeah, as a back-end starter, I guess. But what are you doing with your two and your three? Where's that coming from? Where's it coming from?
0: They're going to have to bring back Strowman. They got to do it.
1: Either they bring back Strowman or they go out and sign Kevin Gausman.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'd be opposed to Gausman either. The only thing that – the other thing I love about Strowman is just it's it's the durability. It's just you know he's going to yeah. go out there and start 30 games and eat oh, up innings Galsman's for you. has
1: been the same way the last couple of years. He's been durable too. But how about the Yankees? Huh? How about them cleaning house somewhat? And how about Clint Frazier? Remember I told you about that guy last year? I said it's something about that guy that does not impress me. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, but you know who I who I compare him to. I was thinking about this, and it probably is before your time, or I don't know how old you were, if you were even born at that time. But the Mets had a guy named Lasting's Millage.
0: <laughs> I was around. And for that. all you heard
1: about Lasting's Millage was his bat speed. He's going to come up. He's could play defense. Uh, not defense. He could. He's got some speed. He's got bat speed. He's got some power. Blah blah blah. And and to me, as soon as I seen that guy take about ten at bats, I said, I, I don't see anything in this guy, and that's the way I felt about Clint Frazier. And it culminates in the Yankees releasing him. They DFA, they DFA, they DFA him. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's gone. Then they traded Tyler Wade, who was actually a pretty good piece. Tyler Wade, and, and he I, went to the Angels.
0: I think so- that's a that's a that rings joy to all Yankee fans' ears the releasing of Tyler Wade seems very insignificant, but this is a guy who played a large role on this Yankees team for the past couple of years. And he was cheap under a million dollars and they just let him go. That signals to me that they're ready to spend some money this offseason, because if you're willing to let go of a guy who played a constant role, whether as a pinch runner, defensive substitution, late in games spot starter, when someone needs a day off, you can have a guy like that who could solidly contribute for under a million dollars and you just let them walk. You just well, release them. Well,
1: I think listen, they're going to they be ready making, to spend money. They had to make space on their on their roster because the uh, the rule five draft coming up, they wanted to protect other players in their system that they wanted to protect from the rule five draft. So they had to, you know, get rid of guys like Clint Frazier and and Tyler Wade again, who is a pretty good utility piece there. And he stole 17 bases. Yeah, you know, I mean, this was a kid that was a, a good utility player. Any team would like to have him. So, you know, Yankees pretty much just gave him away because they needed the roster spot again. Uh, but yeah, look, I'd be shocked if the Yankees don't wind up with Corey Seager. Shocked. I'd That's be like honest The move That just makes me.
0: too much. It just,
1: it just makes way too much sense. Left-handed bat, guys. The he's the best shorts up on the market. He's the best free agent on the market. He's still young. Was he 27? I mean, it just makes total sense to, to bring in Corey Seager. And Yankees. the most
0: important thing that you didn't mention, Rob, he's a winner.
1: He, yeah, well, he's a winner. He is a winner.
0: Talk about yeah. how much of a difference that makes having guys with a winning mentality, having been yeah. part of a winning culture in Los Angeles. He knows what it takes yeah, in the big he's moments. What have the Yankees lacked point. in the postseason these past few years? No one can hit. Can't get the big hit
1: gets a guy big who rised
0: to the occasion on yep. multiple occasions. And the like guys in like past like, few years. like
1: Carlos Correa, another guy.
0: Yep. Yep. Like Morgan's eaten up for him, too. So where do you think Correa goes? I'm here in Detroit, and I, it makes sense with A.J. Hinch being the manager. AJ Hinch
1: there. being a manager. Well, they said that they went out to lunch last week, him and AJ Hinch. And look, the Tigers need that sort of uh, that sort of presence and that sort of big name.
0: Yeah, they on, got some young guys. They got a little they bit of a, a promising future. They got future. a young
1: team. And look, I could see Carlos Correa going there. Why not? They offered him the right money. Why not? He's still young. You know, he could he could be the foundation piece to to a franchise that's start, that that's in a rebuild mode. But they have some good young pieces. And look, let's let's face it, Andrew. That. That AL Central, I understand you have the White Sox there, but it's, you know, between the Twins, the team. You know, it's it's not the strongest divisions. I mean, the White Sox are going to be by far the best team, but, you know, you could Indians, Royals. So Tigers could be on the upswing a little bit. So I kind of think he winds up over there. The, The key is where the Stroman wind up because he'd be, you know he's going to be a sorta if the guy, like you said, the durability is is the big thing there with Strowman, and he, and he, look, he's a good pitcher, and he what does he do? He keeps the ball in play on the ground. Huge, and he's a great athlete. He's a great, you know, he feels he feels his position well. So, uh, so you want to
0: talk about a snub? He wasn't even a finalist for the Gold Glove as a pitcher, which was beyond a, me.
1: It's on. It's beyond me. Yeah, I know.
0: So incredible.
1: No, I know. No, uh, I know.
0: Anyone who's a college basketball fan out there, big-time game tonight that I'm going to be locked into. Got uh, number one and number two seed, Gonzaga going against UCLA. Tip-off at 11 o'clock.
1: Gonzaga's always up there. Amazing.
0: Rematch of uh, last year's overtime thriller in the final four.
1: And now UCLA they're the favorite again. A but Gonzaga is always uh, always up there. Yet they never win a national championship.
0: Yeah, yeah, Gonzaga and Gonzaga is favorite tonight. Seven point favorites. Tip off's at of ten. Excuse me, uh, ten ten. So tip off's in a couple minutes. Not eleven ten. So yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a really good game. UCLA is picking up where they left off. They got a bunch of really good pieces on that team. They really do. They, I mean, they kind of took the the tournament by storm last year. I think they were an 11 seed, if I'm not mistaken. And they uh, they went on a little bit of a run, but they got that kid Johnny Juzang. He's one of the best players in the na- in the nation. Tiger Campbell, little short kid, he's like five foot ten, running point. He's a lights out shooter, and he distributes the ball. They got a they got a bunch of different scoring options, and I think they got one of the best coaches in the nation, and Mick Cronin. So this is going to be a real real good game. And Gonzaga always seems to find a way, but they can't win the big game. They're always ranked one or two and they always get a one seed in the tournament. And they always make it to the final four, the elite eight, but I don't know. It's something about it. They always fall short.
1: Yeah. I don't know what it is.
0: And you know, I got to check, the, I got to check the score cause this is uh, you know, specific to New York cause I was watching the game as I tuned in here and I want to see if they ended up losing the game. It looked like they were about to, Oh no, they came back and win. thank God. St. John's was losing with about nine minutes left. They were down by 10. To St. Francis in Brooklyn. They were down by 10 with like eight minutes to go as we logged on the podcast. And I was like, don't tell me they're going to lose to them. Because they had a real tough nail biter with Indiana last week. St. John's looks like a pretty good team that can make some noise. Uh, but if they would have lost to St. Francis, that would have been brutal. But now they came back. They won by 6 76-60. Uh, 76-70, rather. And the Knicks held on to win. So that's good news. Yeah, notice.
1: the Knicks held on to win that. Our oh, Rangers are 11-3. Without LeBron and Jay. And let me tell you something, they're gonna to have to do something with Georgiev, the Rangers. I'm sorry. And and I'm so glad Gallant pulled him. At some point, I understand there was a couple of egregious turnovers in front of him, but at some point the goalie has got to make a big save. This kid does not make big saves. The Rangers have to do something with the backup position at, at goaltender because whether it bring up, you know, bring up Kincaid, he can't be any worse than what Georgiev is. If you have to put Georgiev on waivers, and go ahead because nobody's gonna be picking him up with that 2.4 million dollar contract. Nobody is. The guy's not good enough. He's just not good enough. And when Drury put him on a trade market in the offseason, there was nobody, you know, there were teams that needed number one goalies. There was no bites on this kid. So, look, I think the Rangers should suck it up, put him on waivers, get him down into the minors, bring up Kincaid or even bring up Adam Huska, who, who was a seventh round pick for them back in 2016, and see if he could give you a semblance of, 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 of you know, just some backup goaltending that they could use because Georgia was just. I mean, you can't have your your backup goaltender uh, playing to an 860 save percentage. No,
0: they got to score five goals to win every time he's in that. You
1: can't. Let me tell
0: you something. They've gotten off to a good start here. They started off the way we hoped that they would, even better than we hoped that they would. They got off to a fast start, 11-4-3. and and They got 25 points, sitting in third place in the Metro. So it, it sounds like hyperbole to say this. Tomorrow night, must win. Playing the Islanders. At their new arena, Islanders oh, are last place in the Metro right now, and they're losing six starters because of COVID tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm sorry. There is no excuse. You got to beat the Warriors off that, that team That game tomorrow.
1: scares me. That game scares me.
0: And as far and as I know, Varlamov isn't not Sorokin. Sorokin's been incredible. Varlamov has not been good. If Varlamov starts, starts that game and the Islanders are missing six starters because of COVID, there is no excuses. You got to win that game tomorrow. They and gotta I, win I'll that be game. pissed if they don't.
1: They got to win that. But that game scares me because of that. I'm telling you right now you go in and right away you're thinking about that oh well they're on demand we should win this game and you know what happens Andrew before you know it it's one nothing one one in the third period you know and we're all sitting back saying what the fuck is going on I I mean because this Ranger team listen they scored the other night against the Sabres it was a back and forth sort of affair there and look they 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 scored with 0.4 seconds on the clock Ryan Lindgren made a just an absolutely fabulous play. You talk about a hockey IQ. You see him there uh, uh, um, by the blue line, inching his w- skating his way up little by little, looking at the clock, knowing that the Sabres weren't going to have enough time to break out and get an opportunity. And and he gets a great pass from Kreider. But then at the end of that game, the the uh, Gallant yelling at Zabinijab was impressive. I, loved that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it why? too. I loved it. You, you was sitting back fighting with the ref, looking for a call during the middle of a play. And then after you score the winning goal, you're still f- arguing with the referee. Yeah. Like
0: said, listen, It was, fuck it fuck was up. an, it was an egregious miss tripping call, but no excuses. Shut
1: up. No excuses. Play, Shut up. Let it go. Right? Finish off. the. And then after that, after you win the game, go celebrate with your team. You're still arguing with the ref about the call. Yeah. I mean, come on. And he I'm had, glad, the, he had uh, the primary Alonso.
0: assist on a, on a buzzer beating goal. Yeah. And it no was doubt. back to the ref to complain. I didn't like that from Zibanejad, but I love to go no. on getting in his ear and chewing him out about it.
1: And, and Capo Caco is heating up, which is nice to see. All of a sudden, you're starting to see a kid play with some confidence here. You're starting to see where it's starting to click little by little. Points in four straight games. He's scoring some goals now. He, he's he's assertive, going to the net. He's making plays. So it's good to see. Uh, real good to see. Oh, but let if me you, you something. if you want more reason... Gary uh, should never see the ice again either. Oh, oh yeah, no, God. no,
0: I, I agree. I agree. I, I hope to God I know let that me play the island. There is a team that, right. that likes to get physical. I know they got the, the Flyers coming up and Boston coming up too, physical teams, and you're going to want to have size and toughness. I'm sorry. Lundquist has got to be in there as your third pair defenseman. Tenorti yeah. can't be on the ice. He's a liability. People yeah. rag on Ryan Reeves. His five on five hockey has been incredible this year. Tenorti yes. can't say the same. So get no. him off the ice. Get this team is eyes. built enough yeah. of an identity now, where we don't need to go overkill with the toughness and put Tenordi in the lineup when he right. has not earned it.
1: Right. I agree. So, all right.
0: And if you needed more of a reason to watch this UCLA Gonzaga game, Rob, Dickie V's on the call after going uh, oh, cancer man. treatment. He's back tonight. So.
1: All right. Good for and Dickie he's, V. He's I'm in tears he right
0: now. They just opened up the broadcast. He's crying.
1: He's glad he's doing well.
0: Yeah. So, all right, well, uh, that'll wrap things up. And, uh, That'll do it for episode 83, Heath Miller episode. Uh, and who is the giant that you named before? We always play a little game. Sonoris Moss. Sonoris Moss, number 83. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible.
1: Santana, Santana Moss's uh, brother. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right, so that'll do it for episode 83. Uh, we'll be back next week, episode 84. We'll recap all of week 12. We'll recap our pick em. Hopefully I pick up some ground, because if not, stick a fork in me. I am done. Um, you know, we'll stay in tune with what the Knicks are doing and what the Rangers are doing nets as well. Any moves with the Yankees and Mets, which who knows? I mean, there's reports that a lot of these guys are trying to sign their contracts before the impending lockout. We'll see if there's any movement of this next week. If there is, we'll be sure to break it down. Uh, if not status quo business as usual, we'll spend the majority of our show on football. Uh, everybody out there wish you a happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving. Enjoy some home cooked meals, getting together with the family, which, I know with COVID going on, a lot of people probably didn't have a Thanksgiving last year, weren't able to see their family. So enjoy the uh, holiday while you can with your family. Eat some good food, good conversations, good time with good people.
1: Hey, and don't forget that Bears-Lions game, 1230. You it's got, 1230, uh, yeah. What is it? Uh, the, the Somebody Boyle? What the hell is that guy's Tim name? Boyle, Tim, Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle against Andy Dalton, baby. He doesn't get better than that in yeah. NFL. You know,
0: it's actually funny. Before <laughs> we close things out, I saw this thing on TikTok on uh. It was a couple days ago. I think it was, I think it might've been Sunday night and it was a video and it was saying uh, Tim Boyle is the most unlikely quarterback in the world. And here's his story. And I'm thinking it's going to be your typical story of like a guy who, you know, Never got a crack as a starter in college, stepped in for an injury and played well, and then was an undrafted free agent and bounced around from a couple crack to squads and finally got an opportunity. You know, those feel good stories you always hear about these quarterbacks that you never heard of. No, Tim Boyle, as a matter of fact, he played for UConn. UConn. And he threw, in his first year as a starter, I believe he threw one touchdown and 13 interceptions.
1: Oh and then he transferred
0: God. to an FCS school and again through more interceptions than he did touchdowns went undrafted obviously, somehow some way he was able to convince the Packers to sign him as a backup. And he did dress as Aaron Rodgers backup on a couple of occasions last season. and then somehow some way convinced the Lions to draft him too uh, to sign him too. and he was playing last week and I think it was evidence of how they feel with him because i think up until the fourth quarter i think he'd only attempted six passes (laughs) i think that's pretty much how they feel but Mm. my god it's incredible how some of these quarterbacks are able to stick on a roster regardless of talent level and i saw i saw the most mind-boggling tweet before from ian Rappaport that just goes to show like how lucky you are to have a starting quarterback because these are some of like the retreads that go popping around the waiver wire so the cardinals They released that kid, Chris Streveler, before. And they signed Trace McSorley off of the Ravens practice squad. And now the Ravens... Yeah, Trace McSorley, yep. And because the Ravens lost McSorley on the practice squad, and with Lamar Jackson missing the game with an illness, they had to turn to Tyler Huntley. The kid that they signed to take his place on the practice squad... God, I, I can't even – I don't even know what this guy this guy's name was. i got to find it. It was like the weirdest name of all time. I, I couldn't believe it. Let me find the tweet. Ian Rappaport. Oh, yeah, here we go. The Cardinals released quarterback Chris Streveler and officially signed former Ravens quarterback Trace McSorley to the active roster. The Ravens replaced McSorley by signing quarterback Kenji Bahar, who is a Baltimore native to their practice squad.
1: <laughs> unreal. That's <laughs> Kenji unreal. Kenji Bahar
0: oh god on that note make that up no you can't you can't sadly that is a real tweet from a real account and that is a real quarterback that is on the Baltimore Ravens roster but anyways we will call it quits for tonight we'll be back with you next week again everyone enjoyed Thanksgiving stay safe and healthy enjoy your time with your family thanks everyone for continuing to listen and continuing to support us and we'll be back to talk to you next week so for Robbie Frey I'm Andrew May see you guys next time